0: Romans chapter 8, I'm going to tell you that we really are more than conquerors. I know the Bible says it, but do we believe it? And I want to try to encourage you over this month that uh, I'm already ahead in my message there of what this means. So, Romans chapter 8, when you get there, I want you to understand that um, uh, Romans, the book of Romans, is one of the greatest books in the entire Bible. And Romans chapter 8 is the crown chapter of that book. So Romans, if you get to Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> Romans 8 and verse 37, I'm going to read it aloud. Why don't you read it aloud at home as well? Romans eight thirty-seven. nay, that's a little word for no, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our gathering together this way. <clears throat> we do ask that you would honor our uh, our desire to be together again soon and that you would bless the preaching of your word, even though it's going out electronically instead of audibly over the air, Lord, it's still getting out. I pray you would bless it. Lord bless just the feebleness of your servant this morning to feed and to help the hearers, help us have a confidence and a faith that is greater and cannot be shaken um, because Lord, you are, in charge, you are Lord of all, and I pray that we would just let you lead us, not from misery to misery and and trouble to trouble, but from victory to victory. Bless the message today. Help somebody learn to trust you, not just believe in you with their head, but believe in you with all their heart. Be born again and then live the victorious Christian life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now the book of Romans was written by a converted Jew. Uh, this Jew named Saul of Tarsus later became Paul. Uh, discovered that Christians don't have to win anything because we've already won. That's what was. See, to the Jew they were under oppression. The Jewish nation was in bondage. They were they were not free. They were under Roman rule. And um, to the Jew they wanted to be free. And this this very devout religious Jew named Saul of Tarsus found out, no, there's a victory won. A Christian doesn't have to fight the Romans, doesn't have to fight the politics, doesn't have to fight uh, the enemies. We already win. We've already won. So I'm going to talk about that through this month. There's some good Bible truths this morning, and every week you stay with me this, this, through this process. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to teach you basically three things. Number one, what we as Christians are. Notice, back there in verse 37, it says, nay, and all these things, not that we want to, it's obvious we want to be victorious, but the Bible says we are more than conquerors. So we're going to learn about, in this present time, we are more than conquerors. Secondly, I'm going to try to help you understand what our obstacles are. Sometimes you think your obstacle is a physical person that's in your way, somebody who gets ahead faster than you do, somebody who seems to be, um, uh, able to do things that you're not able to. We're going to talk about what our real obstacles and our enemies are as Christians. And then thirdly, <clears throat> I'm going to <clears throat> tell you how you're able to conquer them. Because the Bible says, if the Bible says you're more than a conqueror, then you should live like it. So um, i got one. Um, so let's get right into our message. All right. So by way of background, I'm just going to talk about what Christians are this morning. So get your notepad out, get your Bible open. To the world, honestly, we look a little poorly. We're kind of, people would call us losers. There's not much that we can brag about as Christians. Now, I do brag about my Lord. I do brag about the grace of God and the plan of God. But when you look at my life, I can't point to and say, you know, look at this, what I've done. Look at that, what I've done. No, you know, most Christians, if we're honest, uh, we've got lots of troubles. You know, when when we got saved, we didn't get delivered from our troubles, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, as soon as we got saved and we started flowing against the flow, we, we got more troubles. Uh, most Christians I know fail to live up to their own expectations, never mind anybody else's expectations. We, you look at us real close and you go, well, that's not much to talk about, and we're not. But that is not the whole truth, folks. We may not be much to look at. Uh, but one day, people are going to see us as we really are. I need you. You're in Romans. Look at Romans chapter eight and go back to verse sixteen. I'll show you something really amazing in your Bible. <clears throat> just a few, just maybe one page back. Romans chapter eight, verse sixteen says, "The Spirit. I notice a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit itself. Beareth witness, tells me with my with our spirit that we are the children of God." I changed from being a child of the devil, a child of this world, to where I became a child of God. I was born again. We are the children of God. And if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him. So are you putting up with things when people are uh, taking advantage of you, stomping all over you? Well, that's okay because you're a child of God. The Bible says you suffer like that. You'll also be glorified like Christ was. Verse 18. Now, here's the key. Watch this. For I reckon, I add up and I conclude that the sufferings of this present time. Now, don't you start running around uh, starting these riots because these riots are all trying to fix things, all making things completely different and fixed. now. Let me tell you, the sufferings of this present time, you may have to go through it. Now, I'm, anybody knows we need justice. But you and I are not qualified to bring about justice. God will. Vengeance is mine, God says. So I've got to say that because Christians, and I get caught up in all of this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of imbalances and a lot of injustice. Let me tell you this. Look at the Bible says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. There's no comparison with the glory which shall be revealed in us. One of these days. God's gonna unzip this flesh and show the glory of what he put inside you and what he made you into when you got born again. Right now, we may look like a mess. but Once he drops this flesh, we'll see the conqueror we always were since we were born again and we never really believed. So um, uh, go to 1 John. Even, even the apostle John uh, struggled with this concept and said, wow, about um, uh, what is what is just under the skin. Um, and, and unfortunately, everybody does only look at skin surface, and that's a shame, that's a sin. Um, God looks on the heart, and he fixes the heart. Look at First John chapter 3, verse 1, wonderful scripture. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Take a good look at the kind of love God has just poured out on us, that we should be called the sons of God. I mean, you may wish you were adopted by somebody else and be in their family, but you and I, sinners, we've been born into the family of God. We're called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not. That's all it sees. The world doesn't know us because it knew Jesus not. They didn't realize Jesus was God in the flesh. Verse two, beloved, now, Are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be. You know, you and I don't look like what we're going to be. But we know this, that when he shall appear, and he's coming back soon, folks, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, Every man that has this hope, every woman that has this hope, every teenager that has this hope purifies himself, keeps keeps his heart right, keeps his attitude right, keeps his life right, even as Jesus is pure. What a great scripture here this morning. Folks, we don't know what it's going to be like, but I know this. What God has already put inside and what God has already enabled me to be, I may not look like it, but I need to live it. So I want to say, first of all, the things that uh, what Christians are, number one is we're free. We are free. Now, you got to let that sink down. I'm going to come back to Romans all this month, but I'm going to give you a taste of some of the Bible, what it tells us that what we are right now. Take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. What Christians are? Well, we may not look like much, but according to the Bible, we are free. Other people are in bondage to their sin, they're in bondage to their past, they're in bondage to their to their own perfectionism, they're in bondage to their to their enemies, they're in bondage to this world, they're in bondage to their debt, I'm not a Christian. The Bible says this. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, stand fast, hold fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has Made us free. New Bible says set you free. Well, uh the, the, the real the Bible says that he's not only set us free, he's made it so that we are free forever. Now you can be stupid and put yourself under financial debt, you put yourself under trouble. That's that's all you're doing, but he makes us free and be not entangled again with the yoke, the slavery of bondage. Look at that. Let's go to John chapter 8. Gospel of John chapter eight. We are free. Gospel of John chapter eight, verse 36. John 8, 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. What's he saying? You're truly free. You're truly free. You're freely free. You're completely free. See, I know I've got you going back and forth. Go to John, go to Romans again, Romans chapter eight. But this is too good to miss. We are free. And I'm not just talking about free to do as we please. That's not freedom, okay? Uh, That's a spoiled brat. Romans chapter eight and verse one says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are where? you say, well, I'm in church. Uh, You need to be in church, but that's not where you find freedom. You're not going to find freedom in the four walls of a building. Well, I've been baptized. You're not going to find freedom in the water. Uh, there's no, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh anymore, but we walk after, we seek after, we yearn after the Spirit. You're uh, in in um, uh, Romans. I need you to go to Second Timothy. Go to the right. Second Timothy chapter two second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. I want you to I want you to believe this verse maybe' the first time in your life I mean if the Bible says you're free you say oh well, uh, how free am I well let me show you second Timothy 2 19 nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure I mean the the, the world is reeling to and fro right now The foundation of God is the same. It is solid. Having this seal, this proof, the Lord knoweth them that are his. God's not guessing. Is this person mine? Is that person? I'm not sure about that. No, no. He knows who are his. And let, watch this, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, here's the truth. Evidently, you can walk away from sin. Evidently, God always when, when we're under temptation, he always makes a way to escape and we can take it. Let every one of us depart from iniquity. We are free to walk away from sin. Now you won't always. You're just as stubborn as I am. But there are times where you think, I can't I can't handle this. You can. Let everyone that name at the name of Christ depart, walk away from iniquity. Now there are three great truths about sin that you need to memorize. Number one, you have been uh, you have been freed from the penalty of your sin. There's no more condemnation for your sin, past, present, future. There is no more condemnation. You have been according we just read there in Second Timothy two. You are free from the power of sin. It does not control you anymore. You see, Jesus's proper title is Lord. When you got saved, he got he became Lord of your life and sin doesn't have dominion over you anymore, not unless you let it, not unless you want it to, but a Christian has a new Lord, and you are free from the power of sin to control your life. Now, you're still in the presence of sin, but that's the third great truth. Number one, you have been freed from the penalty. You are free right now from the power of sin, but one day you'll be free from the presence of sin. You won't, One of these days, it'd be like being in a storm and running inside, closing the door and looking out through the window and realizing you're safe. The storm's outside here. Sin will forever be gone out of your life. And that'll be the day we enter into heaven. One day we'll be free from the very presence of sin. Don't let the devil enslave you ever again into your bondage of smoking, vaping, drinking, lusting, pornography, anger, depression, wrath, revenge, bitterness, or covetousness. Don't let the devil enslave you. Be not entangled like that anymore. You have been made free. So live that way. Even if you've been abused, even if you've been hurt over and over and over, both physically and spiritually and emotionally, whatever you've gone through, let me tell you this, you can be physically imprisoned You can be enslaved in some country where they treat different people like less than animals. But according to the Bible, as a believer, you are more free than the wealthiest person on this planet. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Speaking to Christians, not to the whole world, Paul says this, For ye are all the children of God by faith, not by birth, not by nationality, not by works, but by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into, not water, when a person got saved, they were placed into Jesus Christ. As many as have, uh, of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ now. You put on his life. Therefore, there is in that, in Christianity, there are no longer any Jews. There are no Greeks. There are not even any Texans. There's no Irish. There are no Polish. There are no Russians. There are no, listen, there's no Jew. There's no Greek. There's no bond. I don't care if you're enslaved. Paul was, Half of his Christian life, he was in prison, and yet he said, but I am not bound. There is neither bond nor free now. Neither is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you be Christ's, verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you belong, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs, heirs. You inherit all the promises that God gave to Abraham. Listen, we are free. We are free. I got to encourage you, live like it. Don't live in the bondage to your past. You're free from it. When did I get free? When the moment you got saved. I've known people that have waited years after they got saved before they tried to put the cigarette down. The longer you wait, the harder it is because the first moment after you got saved was the moment you could put anything down. You were so free then and you believed it. Now, you're still stuck in your sin. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to encourage you. You can depart from iniquity. It may be the hardest battle you ever fight, but you do not have to drink anymore. You do not have to fight. You don't have to argue. You don't have to um, uh, give in to pornography. You don't have to give in to, to bitterness and wrath. You don't have to, because sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. If you ever give in to that, it's your choice now. Secondly, what Christians are? Bible says you are more than conquerors. How am I more than a conqueror? Because He's made you free. He put you on the right side of the fight. Secondly, we're forgiven. John chapter five. Now, Gospel of John chapter five. John chapter five and verse twenty-four. You put a, put a star by this verse. Put a box around it, sh- highlighted. It's a good one. John 5, 24, verily, verily, Jesus speaking, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and just believeth on him that sent me. You believe God? You believe in God's Christ's word? Hath, you have. I showed this to a priest one time. I showed it to several. I said, can you tell me whether you've got eternal life? And the man looked at me and says, no, of course not. I'm hoping for it. And I showed him to him again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, are you hearing his word right now? He said, yes. I said, and believeth on him that sent me. You believe in God? Well, I try to. I said, okay. But see, the difference is if you believe that God sent his son to take your place, the Bible says you have everlasting life. And I asked him again, do you have everlasting life? He says, well, I hope to have it one day. I said, you're not believing the Bible. Keep going. And shall not come into condemnation anymore, but... Notice it doesn't say will be passed, but is passed. He has passed. He's moved from death unto life. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. If you're saved, don't don't you say, well, I've got all of these doubts. Okay, well, maybe you don't know the scriptures. Maybe you've never repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going on. But I know this, the Bible says that he died to save, that he forgives sinners, and when he forgives, he forgives completely. He throws our sins behind his backs and never behind his back and never looks back. He casts them, Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west. Romans chapter 4. Listen to how David speaks. Romans chapter 4 and verse 6. Even as David also described it, the blessedness of the man under whom, whom God imputed righteousness without works. Now impute is a banking term. You've got, debit, you've got debt in your account or it's a credit card uh, term, maybe you want to call it that, where you've built up a lot of debt and then somebody transfers money into that account to make up for the debt. Well, the Bible says my account is full of sin, rebellion against God. The Bible says there's a blessedness that God imputeth transfers righteousness to my account without my works. Verse 7, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. That's a great term. It's a financial term where if you ever go and you go out to eat and somebody goes up and pays the bill and sits down and you say, well, what'd you just do? I covered the tab. I covered the bill. I paid for your meal. And that's what Jesus did for your sin. He covered it. He paid it. He didn't just cover it under the rug. That's not what he's saying. He paid it in full. Your sin is covered. It will not be brought up again because we are forgiven. What a wonderful word. It's not that I will be forgiven. My goodness, there's nothing you can do to be forgiven except ask. And Jesus says, "Done." Done, you know, to be to be no longer guilty, no longer under condemnation, when we when we were supposed to be. You know, it's happening right now. You are constantly forgiven. Why? Because First John one seven says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, constantly cleanses us from all sin. Now that that's, that's good news for you that are born again, and it's hope for you who are lost. If you don't get saved. Your sins are still on your account and you will have to answer for every one of them and you won't be able to make up for it. It'll take an eternity in hell and God didn't want you to go through that. I don't want you to go. I don't care how much enemies we may be. I wouldn't want the worst person on this planet to go to hell. And that motivates me to try to win everybody, to love everybody, to care about everybody's soul. Because a Christian finds out they're forgiven. We are, but it gets gooder. We are fiercely loved. Go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Now this is a scripture that applies to Israel, but if it if it applies to Israel, as wicked as they were and as ungodly as they became and as, as arrogant and proud as they have been throughout their history, God says this about them, he applies it to us. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31 in verse three. Jeremiah 31, I gotta get there myself. 31 in verse three says this. Wonderful scripture. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me. He's always said this. He's appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee with what kind of a love? An everlasting. See, God can talk. I loved you back in the past and I will always love you into the future. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I constantly drawn you close to me. You see, we're fiercely loved. Now, I I know what it's like when you try to love somebody, when you try to be kind to somebody, when you try to be respectful, when you try to put up with somebody and stuff like this, and then you get frustrated because they're not loving back. You see, God's not like that, thankfully. God doesn't stop loving. When the Bible says that God so loved this world, I mean, he loves this world as wicked as this world is. And and that is a fierce love. I couldn't love this world. I couldn't love people who hate God. I I couldn't. But God does. We are fiercely loved. Evidently, God loves us with a love that will last forever. And it is not based upon our performance. He'll love you tomorrow as much as he did the day you got saved. You cannot get God to love you more than he currently does right now. So it'll make all the struggles, all the afflictions, all the troubles and the battles that you're going through right now worth it. I thought about it. World War II, many a young man went off to war. There yesterday was celebration of D-Day where they landed on Normandy in Northern France and all those young men, all those young boys, 18 years old. Some, they called them the great generation for a reason. But just before they went off and they Stormed those beaches there. They were looking at a picture of their girlfriend, back in America, maybe up in England somewhere, and they looked at that, and they they had a they had something scribbled on that picture. It says, "I love you, be sure to come home." And it drove that person to want to live, not to hide, but to do their duty and to fight the fight, and then make sure they stay alive to come home. They wanted to be a victor. They didn't want to be defeated. You know, when you realize you're loved by God, it'll motivate you to go forward and give your life for somebody else. The love of Christ constrains us that, that when he gave his life, I should give mine because I'm fiercely loved. You know, the Japanese, they, they, they gave their lives like kamikaze, man. But Christians aren't like that. We fought, we, we fight our battles with a will to live. So understand that God loves you, Christian, and can't ever stop loving you. He cannot stop. It's against his nature to stop loving his children. Now, he may need to chasten you. And I have to say this, because some people say, man, I'm going through real hard times. I don't, I I cannot answer all the reasons why you may be going through trouble. I don't know. But let me tell you this. Hebrews chapter 12 says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and correcteth every son whom he receiveth. So even that is love. So don't be deceived into thinking, well, I'm going through trouble. Yeah, we all are. And it's our own doing usually. But we are fiercely loved. That'll put a smile on your face. You go, I guess I can go into battle again. I guess I can can strive to be more than a conqueror. Let me give you another thought. We have been fully equipped to win. We have been fully equipped to win. Uh, We've been given a complete set of spiritual weapons that enable us to wrestle and win against even the devil. It's called the whole armor of God. You wanna read about it? Look in Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 11 and verse 10, all the way through to 18. But go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four. One of my life verses. Things that I just run to when I need an encouragement. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare, not the world's warfare. There are people using bricks and baseball bats. They're using guns. They're using petrol. Uh, we, don't, we don't use that. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical. They're not fleshly. They're not of this world. But they are mighty through God. Look at those verses to the pulling down of strongholds, like going up to a wall and pulling it down. Remember the Berlin Wall? To the pulling down of strongholds. What can we battle against? Imaginations. Casting down imaginations in every high and mighty thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God in my head. In bringing into captivity every thought, I'm able to take a thought that doesn't belong in my head. An attitude that rises up, I'm able to take that And I'm able to, look at what it says, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and say, nope, you're gonna gonna think the way Christ tells me to think. Romans chapter 12, now go back to the left, Romans 12. Romans 12 and verse 19. We are fully equipped to win because we've been given uh, a a set of spiritual weapons that, that enable us to win. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. I hope you memorize these scriptures here. It says, dearly beloved, and Paul is pleading with the Christians in Rome, avenge not yourselves. Somebody hurt you. Somebody says something that upsets you. Do not seek revenge, but rather give place, move out of the way under wrath. Somebody else is going to take care of it. For it is written, vengeance is mine, saith who? The Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, go ahead and give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. You want to hurt him? Be nice to him. Be not overcome of evil. Verse 12, 21 says, but overcome evil always with good. That's a good verse. I wish uh, some people would start quoting and start living by. Listen, we've been equipped with all of the weapons of our warfare. You use, you use the weapons of this world and you'll go to prison or you'll die but if you use the weapons that God has given you, you will win your enemies. You will conquer them. We are fully equipped. You know, when we got saved, we got a whole new heart. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Think about it. It's a good, you used to fight with your mouth. You used to fight with your eyes. You used to fight with your fist, all because the heart was in charge. And then when you got saved, God said, I'll put a new heart in you, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, a soft heart. That is capable of loving even your enemy if we just use it. God even gives us a new mindset, a new way of thinking. Did you ever read uh, Philippians chapter 2? It says, Let this mind be in, be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, even though he was God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And he became, and he took upon the form of a servant and he humbled himself. I'm quoting it wrong, forgive me. But he, had no reputation as where he was to get. He didn't worry about himself. His, his battle was not on personalities. His battle was not between skin color. His battle, battle was not between, well, you've got a position of power and we've got a position. This is not about that. This is a position about taking no reputation and battling for the souls of men and women, boys and girls, and battling on our knees and battling with a humble heart, battling by faith. I'll talk about that next week. But a new mindset, God actually gave you that new mindset in Jesus Christ if you'd actually think those thoughts. And we've been given the power, the most powerful force in this universe, more powerful than an atomic bomb. Go to Zechariah. That's a good go to where to find Zechariah. Go to the beginning of Matthew and then go left some more. And you'll find one of the minor prophets called Zechariah. That's Z-E-C-H. Zechariah chapter 4 in verse 6. Zechariah 4 in verse 6. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I already have it. I've had some people come to me and say, you know, brother, I better, you know, uh, your preaching is good, but if you just had the power of the Holy Ghost on you. I, I I, know what they mean, but I do have the power of the Holy Ghost. I just got to yield to it. So look at your Bible. Look there in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord under Zerubbabel, saying, now Zerubbabel was trying to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, trying to rebuild the temple, and he was running all kinds of obstacles. He was tired. The people were tired. They wanted to quit. Um, The the priests weren't doing their part. The the elders and the leaders were all slacking off. And Zerubbabel's tired. And God says this, success is not by your might, because you will wear out. And it's not by power, and that word power, there is political power, financial power. It's not by might nor by power, but it is by whose spirit? My spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, when you got born again, I got some news for you. You got the Holy Spirit of God. And, and that that enables you, that is part of the equipment God gave you that He sealed the Holy Spirit inside of you for all eternity. You have all the power you need. I need you to go to Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians three. Normally we don't spend so much time going to lots of different scriptures, but this morning, it's how it is. Ephesians chapter three and verse 16. Ephesians 3, 16 says that he, Jesus, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might By his spirit, where? In the inner man, in the invisible you, in your soul. So we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize what that power is? That's the power that raised the dead body named Jesus, the dead body of Jesus Christ raised him from the dead. So that power that's able to resurrect the dead is able to get you through every morning, noon, and night. We're fully equipped to win. Do you believe that? I mean, I ought to just stop and say, do you believe you're free? Or do you think that you're still stuck in your sin? Whatever it is, that you're still stuck stuck in your past. Too many people let the past define who they are today. Don't you do that. You are free. You've been forgiven. And I mean, truly forgiven. Jesus said, uh, you are free indeed. That means no sin can come along and damn you now. Now, you'll get corrected for it. God will chasten you for any sin there's in because he's a good father and he wants you to be a good son or daughter. But we are fiercely loved. You cannot do things to make him love you more and you can't do things to make him love you less. He will stay in love with you. He's just got the right kind of love. We are fully equipped to win, but I got two more points real quick. We are fighting in a war that's already won. We are fighting in a war that's already won. Uh, Did you know Jesus won a war that we've been losing every day since we were born? (laughs) The war is against sin and death. The moment that you were conceived, the odds were that you were gonna die, 100%. When was the question? It depends on where you live in this world, the odds of even being carried to term are pretty low compared to what it is here in Ireland. You know, uh, we're fighting a battle, we're fighting just to live. And then sin piles on top of us, and the wages of our sin is death, a second death, it even just it just becomes worse and worse. We fight against God. We fight, we fight against guilt, against weakness, against failure. All that fight is finished. We we are fighting in a war now that's already won. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll give you Brief taste of next week's message. Okay. It may be next week or maybe the two weeks later because we got Father's Day coming up. Israel, when they came out of Egypt, just imagine they've been slaves for 400 years. And when Moses told Pharaoh, let God's people go, Pharaoh fought, resisted, stood against them, and yet they walked out without a fight. They walked out without an army. They walked out without weapons. And they walked out, the Bible says, with high hands. Their hands were raised, praising God. They didn't have to fight because God said, I'll fight for you. The battle will be won by me, not by you. And um, uh, he just, listen, when they left and they were going to the promised land, God says, that's yours. That's yours for the taking. Whatever obstacles are in your way, we'll get through it. Whatever enemies try to stop you, you will defeat. That's why that Old Testament is just as important for you to know and learn and believe as the New Testament, because those are the lessons of the New Testament. The New Testament Christian lives in victory, like God tried to convince the Israelites to do. We are fighting. Go to John. You're in Ephesians. Go to uh, actually, you're in Ephesians, so just go two books to the right. We'll go back to John in a second. Colossians 2, just because it's closer. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Colossians 2, 13. And you, speaking to you and me, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You weren't a Jew. Your, your lives, your, your sin was killing you. Hath he quickened together with him? resurrected having forgiven you i love this all trespasses blotting out watch what jesus did on the cross he blotted out he could not throw those those uh that sin record away but he could blot it out he says blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and he took all of our sin record out of the way and nailed it where to his cross He put it over him. When he says nailed to the cross, he put it on his record. He says, I'm dying for the sin record of Craig Ledbetter. I'm dying for the sin record of you. Verse 15, three days later when he got up, it says, and having spoiled principalities, boy, to the shock of Herod, to the shock of Pilate, to the shock of Caiaphas and Annas and every one of those Sadducees and Pharisees to the shock and surprise of everyone, especially to the shock of the devil himself. He spoiled principalities and powers, means he took advantage of them. He ruined their day. (laughs) He made a show of his victory openly, triumphing over them in it. So when he got up out of that grave, he was more than a conqueror, wasn't he? And he extends it to you and me. Will you believe that? See, yes, we're in kind of a fight. We're, we're, we're in a, a, a battle, and that's going to be my last point. Um, but, um, uh, well, I, this is not my last one. I'll just make a point here. Uh, we are, we already are in a battle. We are in a battle that's already won. Let me say it that way. John 19, 30, I, uh, you can put it up on the screen there. I won't take you there, but the Bible says this. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar on the cross... He said, not I am finished. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. So what was finished? The fight, the battle for your soul, the battle for all the sin that you've ever struggled with and ever will struggle with. Um, Every wrestle, every battle, every struggle, every affliction, every limitation has been fought and won. That doesn't mean the, the devil's gonna let you off so easily. He will not leave you alone. He will not admit it. There to be times when your life is great and there are lulls of the battle, but there are times where Satan will just be vicious, like I think he is right now. And he will get everybody in, in such discouragement and thoughts and struggles and oppression and discouragement and temptation. He just doesn't quit. But I got news for him. The war is over. So Ephesians chapter two, just go there, back from Colossians to the left, go to Ephesians chapter two, I'm sorry, chapter six. So we're in a battle that spans our whole life. But this battle is not to win the war. This battle is for us to live as conquerors, not conquered. One of the things that's funny is deception. The devil would like to convince you you're a loser and you're not not if you're saved. You know what? You you cannot fail. I don't care how many times you fall, fail, mess up. You cannot fail until you quit. If you ever quit, then you're the failure. Then you're the loser. But as long as you keep getting up and keep trying to go forward, that's why our theme is this year, press on. You press on because you're more than a conqueror. You press on because this war is already won. You're just mopping up, crazy little battles that keep popping up when the enemy doesn't want to admit they've lost. So I've got you going to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we are in still wrestling times, but against principalities, all the enemies are powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, if we're in that battle, wherefore taken to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to, here's comes the attack, may be able to withstand in the evil day, and that's usually every other day. And having done all to stay standing, you can do it. Because you're not a, you're not conquered. You're not in bondage anymore. You are free. You are forgiven. You are fiercely loved. You are equipped to win. You are fighting a war that's already won, so stand. Don't go with the world. Don't go with the fashions of the world. Don't go with the attitudes of the world. Fight as a winner in Jesus Christ. Not because you're strong, because he is. Let me finish up my points. I, I, now, just truly I have to constantly cast down wrong imaginations in my head, imaginations. I have to to do it. I I hope you realize you do too. I have to cast down the, the, the idea that sometimes I'm a failure. I wouldn't tell you, I wouldn't tell you where I feel like I'm a failure, but honestly, there are times when I just look at my things that I've tried to do and I go, I failed. I have to cast that down. I have to cast down the idea that I've gone too far. Damn, some different path. You do not, you do not let your mind think that you've gone too far. Don't you dare believe that God can't fix you. Don't you dare believe that God can't, that you can't live the Christian life. And there are people right now listening to me who every other week, you look in that mirror and you say, I'm worthless. Don't you believe that? Jesus Christ died for you, loved you as worthless because he loved you and he was going to, he's not only going to save you, he's going to make you like his son. He's bringing you into his family. You're not worthless. I have to constantly remind myself of God's promises. Romans, you're, you're in Ephesians. Go back to the left, find Romans chapter 16. Romans 16 and verse 20. <clears throat> Romans 16, 20. 16, 20 says this, and the God of peace, now he is a God of peace, but he's also a God of war. And one of these days he's gonna act. Right now he's very quiet. And the God of peace shall bruise. That means step on shall bruise Satan under your feet. He'll use your feet shortly. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Until that day, you need to be reminded, I'm going to get to watch Satan be defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Go to the right there to the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. the second to last chapter, 15 and 57. 15, 57. 1 Corinthians 15 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you need to be reminded of these promises? I do. 1 John 5, go away to the right. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God, are you born of God? Did you get born again? Look what it says overcometh the world. You're, you're a winner, folks. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, not our smarts, not our money, not our politics, even our faith. Go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 14. First John chapter 2, verse 14. The apostle John writes, he says, I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You've known Jesus. I've written unto you young men, and where are the young men today? I watch a, y- a lot of young men go into these protests and become violent. Why can't you live for God and become passionate about souls? You're wasting your life. You're throwing it away. John writes unto the young men. He says, I write to young men because you are strong, and you are. Don't throw it away. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. You Said you sit in your room on that phone of yours, you need to overcome. You need to become an overcomer, and you can be because of these things. He says, I write unto you, young men, because uh um the word of because you're strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, the more you Listen, in this war, the more you submit to God and do things his way, the more you can resist the devil and he'll flee. we learned that over the last few weeks. Submit yourselves therefore to God, James 4, seven says, and you'll resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Last point, real brief. We're focused on a proper goal, a worthwhile goal. I don't have the goal of Greece in heaven. That goal was accomplished when I got saved. 39 years ago, my destination was changed. I didn't even have to change the tickets. I got on a new plane. I was headed to hell, and in one half of a heartbeat, I was headed to heaven. I don't have the goal of reaching heaven, but I do have the goal, listen, in this situation, as more than a conqueror, I have the goal of living like Christ now, living right, right now. Even though I I face opposition, even though it's against all odds and everything's against me, even though I have nothing but insurmountable obstacles in front of me. But I'll get through. I have the goal of living like Christ, being like Christ, loving like Christ, speaking like Christ, shutting up like Christ sometimes. That's my goal. And one more, and I'll speak about this later, and that is if I'm, it doesn't say I'm a conqueror. A conqueror comes in and, and conquers but we're more than a conqueror. Do you know what happens after you conquer a country, after you conquer an enemy? You know what happens? You, you, um, uh, you govern. You manage. You don't let things fall apart anymore. You know, when you got saved, you, 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 you have a new Lord of your life telling you how to be more than a conqueror, to actually be in charge of your life. Take responsibility for your words. Take responsibility for your decisions past, present, and future. We focus on a proper goal, and that is my life now has meaning. So in the end, after all of this, I want you to see that as a Christian, you're more than conquerors. Next week, next week, I'm going to show you how all of that is true and how to enjoy it. I mean, when we get into Romans chapter 8, you're going to see that God knew you and still saved you. <laughs> Is that breathtaking? He foreknew you and he still died for you. Bible says that he justified all our failures under his blood, made them right. When all I had was a record that should have sent me to hell. Another thing, he's fixed it so that we'll be just like Jesus one day. You know, when I get to heaven, uh, the Lord's not going to look at me and go, you know, there's still some faults we got to work on, Craig. No, no, he's, he, he irons out all the wrinkles. God has called or purposed every one of us to a different life than we had before salvation. He's fixed it so that we can be more than a conqueror by giving us a new calling, giving us a new position. And God glorifies or perfects us in heaven one day. One day he's gonna actually illuminate my life. I mean, I'm supposed to be a a city set on a hill. I'm supposed to be the light of the world right now. I'm a very poor light. But one of these days he will glorify us with the different life that we've had ever since we got saved, if only we lived it. Let me finish. Press on, dear Christian. Uh, I, I believe with all my heart, the news media, Facebook, Twitter accounts, everything is trying to divide, trying to discourage, trying to defeat Christians. It's already defeated the world. It has politicians trembling and crumbling and acting like like. Um, um, the lowest creatures ever. Christians live by a different rule. We press on, we win souls, we fight the battle on our knees. We do this, number one, because God overcame everything for us. I'm just gonna quote it. John sixteen thirty three says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Back there in Romans 8, it says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? God already overcame everything for us. Wasn't Winston Churchill who took that symbol and made it in and said, that's the victory sign? Well, we need to be a victory sign to this world. We've already got the victory. 2 Corinthians, I need you to look at one more verse, and we're done. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Once I get there. Now, thanks be unto God, which, look at these words, every one of them is priceless, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor, we'd say the flavor, the, the enjoyment of it, of his knowledge by us, In every place. We ought to season every place we go where people enjoy who Jesus Christ is because they see us. I just want to encourage you that maybe you need to be honest. You've tried to get victory over everything by yourself and you failed and failed again and again. You cover up your sins with blame and anger. But the truth is you're living without God, without his Holy Spirit in you. You need to be honest. Don't try to live the Christian life. Don't try to be good by yourself. You need to be born again. Uh, Jesus Christ is the victory, and he offers it to you if you will receive it. And dear Christian, let me say this. in The same way you got saved, you got to live by that same desperate, passionate, obedient faith, and nothing will be able to stand against you. Are you saved is the question. Jesus' death brought you total victory if you would accept it. All I can say is, if you're still able to listen and you're hearing, bow your head and ask Jesus Christ right now from your heart of hearts. Be honest with him. Say, "I'm tired. I've tried to live by my own strength, and I've worn. I'm worn out. I I, I want to live as a as, as not not in defeated, not as conquered, but as a conqueror even more as a conqueror." Would you trust him? You can do that right now. That's our hymn here. I was going to have a sing. Only trust him. Only trust him, trust him now. So I'm gonna pray and I hope you got to hear all this. I hope that it was a blessing. Father, please bless the thoughts. God, I know the devil wouldn't like. This is probably the most important part of this message where we give an invitation. And I pray God that you would help, please, uh, people to hear the spirit of God speaking to their heart and they would, um, they start to believe, you know, God made me free. I should not be walking into bondage anymore. God forgave me of all my sins. I should not think that any sin has a grip on me anymore. I don't have to have the past haunt me. I don't have anything but Jesus Christ ruling my life. And I want to be more than a conqueror. So I trust him now. I ask him to save a wretch like me, and I decide I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to follow him as a victor, as a conqueror, as a soldier of the cross. Lord, bless these thoughts to your people and to those who have been listening in Jesus' name. God bless you, amen.